welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. This week we're going to take a brief pause from our study in the book of James and turn to a another book in the New Testament that starts with the letter J and look at two verses in that book. We're going to be looking at Jude 24 and 25. These verses have been especially helpful to me in recent days, and I wanted to share with you from this text what God is saying in this text, hoping that it'll help you as well. So I want to read these two verses to you. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. The letter of Jude ends in a way that was very common in New Testament epistles by giving praise to God. And in this closing doxology, he praises God as the one who is able. He directs his praise to God as the one who is able. And what expression of God's ability caused you to praise God? Was it his creative power, his miracle working, his past salvation? When you think of the power and might of God, your mind isn't going first to what Jude mentions. Instead of talking about creation, miracles, or anything else, Jude speaks of God's ability to keep his people and present them faultless before the presence of his glory. God's ability is put on display in his power to take broken, ruined sinners like you and I and bring us all the way home. Jude praised God as the one who is able to keep his people in life and make them faultless before his presence in death. So why was that part of God's ability, what Jude set his target of praise on. There are many things we could praise God for and cause us to praise God. So why was it this? It makes perfect sense in light of the whole letter. This isn't the letter Jude wanted to write. He wanted to write a letter about the common salvation, but because of false teachers who had turned the grace of God into sinfulness, Jude wrote a letter that urged these people to contend for the faith. False teachers had slithered their way into the church, and these believers had to contend for the faith. So that was the letter Jude wrote to them. And in doing this, he called them to build up their faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, remain in the love of God. They were to have compassion on the doubting and rescue the perishing. In short, there was a lot being asked of these believers. They were no doubt being overwhelmed by the end of the false teachers, for they were ordained to condemnation. No doubt they were overwhelmed by what Jude was commanding and exhorting them to do. So I wonder if at the end of the letter they were wondering, is it all up to me? Is it all up to me to get me all the way from here to heaven? And to which Jude responds by clearly showing them that it was not up to them because their God was keeping them. And there is a lot being asked of us today as well. And you may feel overwhelmed by all that is required of you as a follower of Jesus Christ. You read the Bible and you listen to preaching. 
You think about all that needs to be done, should be done, and could be done. You consider the sick that need visiting, the poor that need feeding, and the lost that need saving. On top of all that, you consider your own life. You have sins that need to be killed. You have faith that needs to be strengthened. You have love that needs to be increased. You have no doubt relationships that need to be strengthened. There is much that could overwhelm us as we live this life and as we pursue holiness and godliness. And no doubt you may wonder, how am I going to make it? And you may think, is it all up to me? But these two verses show us that God is the one who is keeping us. Notice the first part of verse 24. Now unto him that is able. This is a seismic shift in Jude's focus. He is now focused on God and God alone. It is something that he alone is able to do, and he's more than able to do it. This doesn't take his breath away. It doesn't cause his muscles to tremble. He is able to do this. So what does Jude want us to know that God is able to do? It is because of this ability that Jude erupts in praise to God. So what is his ability here? He shows us that he is able to keep us as we live, and he is able to present us faultless when we stand before him. Now in him that is able to keep you from falling. This is a precious promise in light of the entire letter. These believers had heard the false teachers and the false believers who had fallen away and departed from the truths of the gospel. So Jude wanted to show them that as they were living, God was keeping them each step of the way. They may trip and stumble. We may trip and stumble. But for those of us who are in Christ, God is keeping us each step of the way. As Psalm 121 spoke of, God is the keeper of his people at all times, in all circumstances, and in all places. Consider how easy it would be to fall if God wasn't keeping you. How quickly would sin consume you if the Spirit didn't convict you? How quickly would trials destroy you if the Word didn't comfort you? How quickly would false teaching deceive you if the truth didn't guide you? There are infinite avenues through which a person can walk and fall away. There are tons of landmines that we go through every single day. And if it were up to us, we would stumble for good and never come back. But God is able to keep us from falling. And that's what Jude wanted these believers to know. As they saw all of the avenues of departing, all of the avenues of stumbling and falling, he reminded them that God was actively keeping them. And that is good news. It is good news because it reminds us that as we live this life, as we go on our day-to-day life, we may wonder at times, how am I going to make it through this trial? How am I going to make it through this difficulty? How am I going to make it when all seems to be falling apart? And the answer is that God is keeping you. He is actively keeping you in your life now. But there is more in this promise. God is not just actively making sure that we make it in this life, but he has promised to present us faultless when we stand before the presence of his glory. Jude takes us down the road to when we will stand before the Lord, before the presence of his glory. This is before the most holy person in his most holy presence. This is the place where every sin would be exposed. 
His eyes peer into every little white lie. He sees every angry action, lustful thought, and idolatrous desire. He sees how you have neither loved him nor your neighbor as you should. He sees every stain of sin with the microscope of his holiness. And yet, Jude says, and he will present you faultless before the presence of his glory. He sees all that you are. And yet, he says, you will be presented faultless before him. You will be examined by the microscope of his glorious holiness. And he will not find a stain of sin blemish of iniquity, or spot of transgression. Instead, you will be presented as faultless. So how is it possible that sinful human beings like you and me will actually stand before God without fault? We find the answer by seeing how this word is used throughout the New Testament. The Greek word for faultless is used in really only two ways. First, it refers to the spotless sacrifice of Jesus. And second, it speaks of the faultless standing of God's people before him. And even more specifically, it speaks of their standing before him in glory. It's incredibly fitting that this word only refers to these two realities because they are so inextricably linked. The people wouldn't be spotless unless the lamb is spotless. But because the sacrificial lamb, Jesus, because he is the lamb without spot and blemish, because he is holy and he is righteous and he is the one who died in our stead, then we will be presented faultless before him because his righteousness is given to us. It isn't just that our sins are forgiven. It is that we stand in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. So we stand faultless in him we will be presented without fault and blame before him because we are in jesus and by the way that is the only way if you are trusting in anything else to be presented faultless on that day it will not happen it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you have grown up unless you are in jesus you will not stand faultless on that day for god to welcome us in we need perfect righteousness. And we will be presented faultless because we have a faultless Savior. And through his death, his faultlessness has been attributed to us. And right now, you stand before God as if you live the life Jesus lived. And on that day, you will be presented in the perfect righteousness of Christ. You are positionally faultless in Jesus now. However, there still remains a cavernous gap between who you are in Christ, and that is perfectly righteous, and how you live as a believer, decidedly not sinless. But on that day, the gap will be completely closed. You will not just stand in the righteousness of Christ, but you will be completely righteous like Christ. This is not just a positional sinlessness. This is an actual sinlessness. When you see him, you will be like him. You will be pure like him with no stain of sin at all. This is his promise to us. He's going to present us faultless on that day. He's making himself a perfect bride, a pure bride, and he will present to himself a sinless body on that day. And notice how we will be presented with exceeding joy, with welcome, with exultation, with gladness. 
God will not reluctantly let you into eternal life with him because he is required to through Jesus. He will joyfully do it. Sometimes we may think on that day that God will change his mind about us. Or he may let us in, but just because he has to. But Jude 24 wants us to know that God will not just do it because he has to, but he is willing to. If you are in Christ, the Father will joyfully and gladly welcome you in because you will be faultless in him. If you are faultless in him now, you will be faultless in him on that day. It is through Jesus alone. And there is one who is able to do all of this to keep us as we live and present us when we die. No one else is able to do this and no one else knows how to do this. Therefore, no one else gets the glory in this. And as we go on to verse 25, we see that God alone receives the glory. Jude says, to the only wise God, our Savior. Why did Jude call him the only wise God? Why not the only powerful God? Why not the only gracious God? Why not the only holy God? So why the only wise God? Jude addresses God in this way because only the wise God could bring about what verse 24 describes. Anyone can know that we need to be kept from stumbling. Anyone can figure out that we need to stand faultless before a holy God. But God alone knows how to keep us from falling and how to present us faultless. God alone knows not just that we need saving, but the exact what exactly needs to happen so that we can be saved. He is both the just and justifier of them who believe. Verse 24 tells us that God is able to keep us. In the beginning of verse 25 shows us that God knows exactly how to do it. He isn't just able to do it, but he knows how to do it. He's not just powerful enough to keep you all the way home, but he is wise enough that he will keep you all the way home, and he knows how to direct every one of your steps. And to this only wise God, Jude gives God the praise that he alone deserves. He says, to the only wise God be glory and majesty. The word for majesty is only used two other times in the New Testament, and both times it refers to the throne of God. In other words, majesty is about the supreme place that God holds. Therefore, this praise that Jude gives to God is praise that he alone deserves. He's not praised alongside others. He is praised above all others. And he has power above all others. It says to the only wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power. This isn't just a kind of dominion and power. This is supreme dominion and power. Just as Jude gave God praise that he alone deserves, Jude sees that power and dominion God alone has. No one is able to keep and present like God is. No one is supreme like God is. Therefore, we say to you be glory and majesty, dominion and power. Jude shows us the kind of praise that God is worthy of. All of it. Now he shows us when God is worthy of it. Always, both now and ever. God was worthy of all praise when Jude penned this. God is worthy of all praise as we look at this, and God will be worthy of this praise billions of years from now. But he's not just worthy because he did this. He's not just worthy in the future, but when you see the word ever, Jude is speaking of before all time, in time and after time ends, he's worthy in eternity. There, in other words, there has never been a time when God was not worthy of this 
praise. Therefore, we must give him this praise. So now we conclude with the word Jude concluded his brief letter with. Amen. So be it. Let all of this be true. And this is the natural way to conclude a prayer and praise of doxology like this. It is to say, yes, I agree. God is able to keep us. God is able to present us faultless. And we must praise him. So to him be glory and majesty, dominion and power alone forever and ever. Amen. We praise him and we praise him alone because God alone is able to do this. We praise him as the one and only wise God who knows how to keep us all the way home. And how to present us faultless on that day. We praise Him alone. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. So I hope you will join me next week on the next edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.